Darkest Dungeon, Warband's Bushido, and the Polybius Conspiracy. This is Staying In. It's, uh, <laughs> why, is he, why is he busy? Why is he busy? Because Chris Darby at this moment is either in training for or performing as a running nun. Amazing. Running nun. And I mean, normally I'd be surprised, but with Chris, anything could happen. Which is why my information on it is minimal at best, because he started to explain that it was a theatre company that he knew was in Liverpool and they were putting on this running performance. Right. A bit like, um, is it Punch Drunk, the theatre company? Um, that do Probably. these incredible um, like promenade performances, i.e. walk around and see a theatre show performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of like what Punch Drunk did but basically you'll you go on a run and as you run or walk you basically pick up snippets of a narrative as you go around so chris is going to be cool. one of the the runners so the 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 seating for the audience has got to be pretty long isn't it but they're not no no because the audience aren't sitting the audience are running with the actors so you have to keep up well you just you keep up with the elements of the story that you're interested in Ah, <laughs> I just cool. be like you go on ahead. So like, go on. <laughs> this is the ending. <laughs> you just got the boring narrative at yeah. the back. First chapter. It's like yeah. no one yeah. ever loved me. Because um, <laughs> what? Because what Punch Drunk did, which is really great, is that you would basically be in a warehouse and you'd come across this scene, and then you're free to follow any of the actors wherever they go, and. I know um, of one anecdote I heard on a podcast where one of the actors just wanted to stay with this one of the one of the people watching it just wanted to stay with one of the actors and they literally went into their what it was their house and they just laid on the bed and started reading a book and he was like on his own in the room just <laughs> just like what and then he just like waited there until the actor got up again and, and knew what part of the narrative to go to so that was his like angle of the of the story that's cool which is awesome so Chris is doing something similar but running and dressed as a nun I I have a friend who did one that was on a boat okay Uh, so it was a was it like a murder mystery or something like some sort of play happened around them on the boat and uh, Tempest but it was all kind of milling around as if you were part of the soiree Yes. Taking place, which is cool. I was ho- rather hoping someone would be thrown off the boat in a sort of, you know, I don't know, stunt, but that didn't happen. So. Yeah, that's a proper good murder mystery thing. We've always wanted to do a murder mystery. We thought about, because be awesome. we're, we're in the middle of wedding planning at the moment, we thought we thought about one thing that we might do might be a murder mystery murder. type thing. Right. Like, as the ceremony's going on, just members of the family are being bumped off. <laughs> That's charming. Yeah, I mean, because you've been you've been planning the uh, you've been planning the wedding recently. You've now made a decision as to where you're going to host it. Yes, the date and place yeah. is pretty much sort of yeah. set. We yeah. still got to speak to the caterers and to right. quote the lovely lady who took our booking. Make sure you get along with them. Which I don't really know <laughs> what that means. Okay. So are we, we going to go out? Are we going to you know? have a night together but then she also said they may want to come to your house and do tastings it's like brilliant but they're going to be cooking for you ha 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 I was going to say you could get anyone who's involved in the actual wedding planning like groomsmen or bridesmaids Mm. could Mm. play along with the they could have set things to say whereas the rest of the guests have to figure out who's being murdered it'd be quite an interesting yeah you could have like you could have like one of the um waitresses come in and be like have I got something on my nose I thought you just made a, 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 a thing like just look at your face I think you're, you're just like um, you could have one of the waiters come in and mm. be like this uh, well looks like uh, the, the starters are here this soup is to die for and then like somebody could like like keel over and fall <clears throat> into their soup yeah but, but Pete how, so how, would, how would you feel if you were to be one of my groomsmen and you're still on the, you know, there's only a certain amount of places and you're on the border 
Um, how would you feel though if I was like to you, I'd really love it if you died during the starter and then you're sitting in a little room somewhere just on your own until like the end of the night when the murder has been found. Having No, like, no, no, you can do it. You can have like a little post-it note on them that says dead. But they a can, ghost. Oh, they so get... Pete just wanders around the wedding with like yeah. a post-it note on his forehead saying dead. Yeah. Oh, oh, dead. I could, yeah. yeah, no, I could be a ghost, and I could like you can give I little say, bits of information. Murdered me. Or you, can, you could do it like in uh, Mysterium and only knock. It's like say knock twice for if you were killed in the bathroom with a trowel. Yeah, like would, would, <laughs> I can see him now. Would you like some more gravy, sir? I could see him now during. I could see him now during the speech. During the speeches, he just found a sheet from somewhere, just going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why won't anybody toast me? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think that would be that, that would get around the you know boring for the dead guests. Problem is though, if somebody genuinely did have a heart attack and fall into their soup, you wouldn't be able to tell what was real <laughs> oh, and what wasn't. Uncle John, <laughs> does the, am- the, the ambulance arrive? He's just got a post stick on him. He's like, he's a really good method actor. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> He's oh, taking God. this all the way. <laughs> oh, oh, save us some money at the bar, so that's that's, mm. that's okay. Good. Yeah, dead cannot drink above the bar. <laughs> Good. Uh, so you got all that sorted. So where where are you actually holding it? Like, not obviously not location or anything like that. But where, like, what sort of, what sort of a venue are you holding it? It's in a barn, in two barns, really. Our. <laughs> Our wedding, uh, I don't really know how to phrase it. Our bridal suite is a converted Ooh. trailer. Oh, that's, that's great. So if you see that rolling away in the night. <laughs> if the trailer's rocking, don't come a-knocking. Oh, please do, because it will roll into a field. Yeah. <laughs> Just, no, no, seriously, please help everyone. <laughs> Hang on, so is that near the barn? Yeah, so there's... The converted barn, which has uh, the reception area and a bar in it, and then you go through these these uh, like this tiny sort of hobbit door, and then there's this ceremony area, and then the barn next door to it has been fitted out with all of these really nice sort of accom- like just basically accommodation. Then the bridal suites right at the end, and it's 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 really really nice because the one the main reason why I liked it is the idea that like hopefully you guys will be staying at the accommodation there with us, and so basically they do a really nice thing where you just get a code for the key. So, and, it, and it outside of each uh, sort of residence, it's almost like a line of chalets. You just have a little code and you type it in, your key gets released and that's how, that's how you get in. So you don't have to take your key out with you while you're partying and stuff. You just leave the key back in the lock, lock it up and use a code to get it out when you need to go, go back in. But and how like, are a load of drunk wedding guests going to remember their code? Don't worry. We'll all go <laughs> in the trailer. So like I like I like the idea that we'll like all be in the same sort of like me and my friends and family will all be in like the same row of of of, of sort of like these little tiny apartments. And then there's there's also a bed and breakfast which is on site, which is where the old people will go. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and it's really nice because like the people who stay in the bed and breakfast they'll get obviously a, a probably a cooked breakfast in the morning. But if you're with us in this little sort of line of accommodation of these little like flats almost Uh, basically we're going to get a knock on the door at nine o'clock in the morning and they're like a hand delivered like breakfast of like fruits and granolas and like orange juice so like we can all have like breakfast together outside and stuff like that that'd be really nice just so we know are we part of this elusive set of people are we with you in the apartment well it depends if you pay the money to stay there yeah (laughs) yeah all right, well, that's okay. As long as we pass the tests. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it's really good. Well, like, it was really important to us that, because even though we're not going to be sleeping for a long time, like, because we're yeah. partying, yeah. Mm-hmm. like, it was still important to us that the accommodation, like, that you guys had were, like, was really nice and you don't have to go oh, to a hotel yeah. like the whole day is going to be at this one location oh, that's, so that's cool. really so. awesome I, I, my uh, my friends did something similar I think it was a, a sort of farmhouse as well and the hotel was literally across the road and it does it's really 
it makes a difference when it's either on site mm. or yeah. some of these weddings where you then have to drive 30 minutes to the, but you know, you better hope you've got everything with you because <laughs> if you forget it, then, you know, you're stuck really. Exactly. And, that, really nice. and, and the one bit that I was actually, the bit that I'm most jealous about is Lisa's dressing room. So for her, it was really important that she wasn't like, having to travel a long distance to the wedding all made up so basically in the back of the barn area and this would be great like for the men but the women get it they've got like this like almost a little barber shop at the back so it's got like these three circular mirrors with these lovely lights hanging down with these like barber shop swivel chairs a fridge with prosecco in it like couches like a dressing screen a massive shower area like hair hair dryers what a quartet hot player yeah yeah all those kind of things so it's like it's the perfect area for her to get her and her crew to um get ready in and basically entourage yeah yeah. and that room that room is has been built specifically so when she opens the doors like she walks pretty much directly into the ceremony area so she doesn't have to worry about like like, absolute baller like that would be so cool minimum at walking or yeah check it out here i am does she know how many like people she's gonna have with her um i think she's gonna have Hang on, I'll, I, if I know, I'm having more. So I'm having, <laughs> I'm having. And then I'm also having. Mah, mah, mah. So I think I'm having six. Jeez, wow, that's awesome. Maybe five. That's be very long, wide shots but, for your uh, but Lisa's, photos. I, I think Lisa's only having three or four, possibly. Mm-hmm. So more men. You know, men. I just don't want to break any hearts, Pete. So <laughs> got, got, got to have everyone. Oh well, that's good. I'm very excited. Um, sounds lovely. Yeah, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. Uh, my big question is, where are all of the animals? Uh, they're safely on the farm. They're in the barn. They're, so they are. In the, so there is like a farm. There's a working farm there. Can I? Can we? Pet, can you pet them? No, it's not going to be like Dan's wedding. Where do you remember at Dan's wedding when you and I went and smoked cigars and petted alpacas? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there won't yeah, be any of that. that. There were alpacas. We were like, let's Aww. let's go off and have some cigars. We went for a wander, and then yeah, there were these like, alpacas like wandering around. Aww. We were like, I will pet you. I mean, they weren't wandering around. They were specifically there. Oh, no, I remember them. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they weren't like they weren't like <laughs> just wild British, no, they weren't British wild alpacas. alpacas. You accidentally went into Peru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I do remember that now. It was a while ago. Yeah, that was cool. That was super cool. Cool, mm. but no, you can't pet. The animals. Oh. No, you can't. You just see you, you, you. Your gaze back. You'll catch. You know, Lisa, love of your life, coming down the aisle, and then just out of the corner of your eye, you'll see, you'll see Pete holding a baby chick. Yeah. <laughs> I found one. Be, me being chased by a goose. Yeah, like, oh my god! Down the aisle. There is. It, it is. A, it is a working farm. So yes. So it will come with some animals, maybe. Possibly. Some responsibilities. The other, the other thing, the other thing about the wedding is we're taking a risk. It's going to be on a Sunday, mm. uh, and also, <laughs> and also, it's the day after the clocks go forward. So, uh, ah, okay, does that mean less time? Yeah. No. Well, that, no. And also, it means that always there's always one. the risk of someone getting some time wrong. But but uh. guys, but guys, I'm already that's already in my speech. So let be like, thanks everybody for coming together. Obviously, Lisa had one less hour to get ready this morning. Uh, right. yeah, and then yeah. there'll be all sorts of bands. Yeah, no, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but seriously, someone will be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Someone's going to be like, well, um, oh shit, it's not <laughs> actually 10 o'clock, it's 11 uh, or whatever. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. So, Pete, right. that's going to be your responsibility as clockman. I'm, yeah, clockman. clockman. <laughs> uh, if I'm top clockman, I will be well up for that. Don't, he I'm, doesn't. I'm well up for top clockman. Top, top, top clockman. Top clockman. Top clockman. Yeah. Top clockman. I'll be up for that. Okay. Good. Keeper of the time. Timekeeper. <laughs> Is that the good one or the bad one when it goes forward? It's the you bad guys, one. You lose because you lose an hour. Mm. Okay. Well, I can do that. We'll endeavour to remember. 
We'll be in the, fan- the fancy the suite, thing. won't we? Literally, you, someone else will knock on the door and we'll... <laughs> It'll be great. Sounds yeah. lovely. Oh, oh, like there was... um, I, I listened to um the episode of the podcast thing that Lisa was suggesting. Okay, wh- uh, which one? I've forgotten, but it was the one. It was the one about. I've forgotten what that was about as well. Wow! It was about what was it about? It wasn't about a murder. It was about a, something being stolen. Oh no! It, it was. She likes murder mysteries and stuff. Yeah, like, no, I know, the, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was about murder. something being stolen. I think so. Do you mean the one, the thing she was listening to? Yeah, it was. It's got that nice woman who talks with a nice voice. That, that oh, the mystery show. Yeah, the mystery show. Or oh, criminal. Criminal. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! Can you just can you make a spreadsheet or something? Yeah. <laughs> so just, I was listening. Just sit and make a spreadsheet. I will. So I was listening to one of the episodes of Criminal that Lisa suggested, and it was actually very, very good. And I, off the back of that, I decided I'd start listening to a little podcast that, like, inspired by her absolute love of murder and also like real, like real crime. Yeah. Um, and um, I started listening to, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, it's called The Polybius Conspiracy. The Poly... Is this like one of those fictional podcasts? Yeah. Like, have you heard about this? No, it's not a fictional podcast. It's a real podcast with, um, uh, like, about a real story. And basically okay. the, the, the Polybius Conspiracy... Um, so this is from, this is from Radiotopia. Mm-hmm. It's a real investigation into something called uh, Polybius, which was rumoured to be a video game in the 1980s which drove children insane and was part of a possibly a, a a US government conspiracy to uh, essentially brainwash children and young adults who were playing video games at the time uh, like like kind of like um you, you know about MK Ultra like the LSD experiments of the 60s and 70s <sighs> I don't, okay. I don't think it does something at this well, it's kind of like it's kind of like the, basically it was this thing that was yeah. So MK Ultra was always seen to be like a quote unquote conspiracy theory, and then it turned out that it actually was true. Mm-hmm. So Polybius was meant to be a video game that got made, and through hypnotic suggestion and visuals and all sorts of other horrible things, um, it basically in an old arcade in an old arcade. Um, it was an arcade game that would allow people it would basically give people terrible migraines and uh like depressive thoughts and all this sort of stuff and it kind of spawned out of a um like an urban legend out of portland and this was in like the 80s and then it resurfaced again in the late 90s on an internet message board and from then on it became this is it real is it not real and a couple of different people have kind of investigated it to a lesser and greater degree Mm -hmm. and this time around this Polybius conspiracy show has actually like tracked down someone who claims that they not only played this game but they were also like abducted what yeah it's it's really messed up, and I started listening to it because I because I thought oh, I'll take it I'll take a leaf out of Lisa's book and listen to some, you know, some <laughs> real story about someone having a terrible time, um, and like it is. It's creepy as hell. It's it, creepy. It leaves you. Whether, it's kind of like whether it's real or not. It's a bad thing that happened. Whatever happened. Yeah, whatever happened. Like basically, there's there's three things. Either the person who that they find uh, that claims to be a Polybius survivor is either lying, in which case it's an incredibly sad story about a person who just craves attention. Yeah. It's either an incredibly sad story because it's real and there is this there was this game out there and and someone ruined the live lives of many people or it isn't real but it's a figment of this person's imagination because they're co- they're using it to cover up something else like their brain is trying to just comfort them in some so, way. Yeah, I went, I won't go into like too much detail, but he basically loses time. There is a point in his life that he can't remember yeah, what happened. Like he can't remember what happened. And the really the horrible thing awful. is like, well, we don't know if he's abducted. That's the thing. But he, he claims, but because he's lost time, if that's genuine, yeah, his brain has either shut off what happened, yeah, or so now he makes it kind of his. So now thing, he does walking he? tours where he like says all about 
all of these different locations and how they were involved in in the arcade scene of the time and and oh it's absolutely fascinating so i really really again like it's one of those things of yeah i was really inspired to go and listen to this sort of stuff and it's um, it's really grabbed me and none of the cabinets exist like no so um the but surely cabinets, there must be some records of like the game being in arcades and stuff like that so so there are doctored photos there are there is some b movie sorry b footage um of uh of the arcade at the time mm. and there is something i think in like one of the background scenes that looks like it could be the 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 arcade machine that they talk about the other thing is there's a lot of like there's a lot of stuff that explains it away and all right like, i see like, yeah. like that, that's the beauty of so it's conspiracies, like, right so it's like well there's it's all doctored you know footage but they'd say well, that's what the government. Well, it's, wants. It's, they would that, say it's, that, but it's also <laughs> stuff like um, so. One of the one of the one of the quote unquote facts about Polybius is that it was in an all black arcade machine, which you would think like as a modern arcade, like as as a modern video gamer, you would think, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way that you would just have an all black like arcade cabinet. It would it would be so obvious. But actually, arcade developers at the time had all black cabinets because they just didn't have art. So, so actually, it kind of yeah. Because plays... my first question was like, well, surely they wouldn't want this ominous black yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. But but, but apparently lots... that was a normal thing. Yeah, there's lots of examples of. But I would have thought that they'd really, you know, if they were trying to hide themselves, they they do quite a good job. Yeah, of yeah. Those. But how do how do they track how do they track the results of this so, experiment? So so um, the other part of it is that like. There's stories of you know men essentially men in black turning up at three o'clock in the morning to these arcade machines, uh, arcade cabinets. <laughs> yeah, there's like Will Smith and what's the other guy? Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Um, like they both turn up and they're like, oh, we got loads of quarters. Um, but like they basically they emptied the machines and of, of all of these quarters and stuff like that. But at the same time, they're also pulling out like ticker tape. So it was clearly like recording. Info- I say clearly, all of this is like you know speculation and stuff but yeah so it's all explained in this really interesting way so yeah I, I, it's, what it's... I find is more interesting is, is the guy really and just we never really know what happened hmm. well you can't because it's like and I think 30 years the old, dark right? thing about it is that like I said whether it's true or not yeah see that he's based his whole it's a good creepy story though now. it's a really good creepy story but creepy, creepy. but yeah so that's all been that my week's been all about death and you're saying your week's all been about this is a murder podcast isn't it yeah. yeah i've been playing darkest dungeon i'm a bit behind the curve because it came out a while ago <laughs> um but i wanted it for ages but it was one of those games that was never on sale when i was looking at it and i thought mm-hmm. it's not really it wasn't high enough and then i was like oh, do you know what i'll just get it um, and it's horrible <laughs> it's in a good way evil. It's, I, I like it but it's trying to beat me all the time I've restarted three times already so why is it horrible in a good way because you're both like oh it's oh yeah it's great because but it's, it's horrible. that kind of it's not so frustrating that you want to give up immediately but it's just frustrating enough that you want to beat it um, I, my problem was I was making everyone I was naming everyone after in, you know made up fantasy names and I thought you know what the only way I'm going to keep these people alive is by naming them about people you know of people that I know mm-hmm. so uh, Sam and Poppy are in there the uh, what's the what's your class the dog is it, is it a tracker or he's like the houndsman yeah the houndsman that's it yeah so mm-hmm. Poppy saved the day quite a lot of course Pete Pete's the knight he uh <laughs> The funny part was you got some horrible quirk and you ate all our lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I snaffled up all the provisions yeah, halfway remember, through a dungeon. I remember when I... Because one of the, the favourite things about... One of the things I love about Darkest Dungeon in terms of a, a real-time strategy game is that... Because is, essentially it's built around a risk and reward mechanic. Like, the longer you stay in that dungeon, the more rewards you'll get. But... Mm the higher the potential that you'll lose a character or one of your teammates will just go mad because they would spent too long in a dungeon. I remember that I named a character after Dan and he went mad, so I sent him to the brothel and he came out sane but with syphilis. So Oh, great. Oh, classic Dan. I had... Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, my, quite often they go missing as well. You send them off to places mm. and they'll just go on a bender and go missing, not bother coming back. I had somebody... A Daniel, 
uh, who's my <laughs> occultist, sat at the back, supposed to help everyone, went a bit went a bit crazy and stabbed one of my other people in the back, which I didn't think could happen. So the, I've never played it before, so there's all these things I didn't know so, happened. So if you were to explain what Darkest Dungeon is quickly, because I, I think it's actually a... Uh, it's I not... what it would class itself as. A roguelike? So no. it's, it's, at heart, it's a turn-based strategy game. Really, right. with kind of roguelike elements of. Mm. But it's a dungeon crawl, right? It's not like a, it's not like you've not got units, you've not got strategic movement around the map. It's kind of it, like no, no. Well, they have. There's always four places, and they each class prefers to be in a certain space. Right. Um, it's all from one angle, so the spaces, you know, they're all behind each other, and there is some strategy in the fact that some moves from enemies will pull them forward, and mm. now they're weak or push them right, in the wrong places. Right, right. And the strategy is to not, hopefully, not get that all mixed up and have everyone in the right. And actually, honestly, if you, there must be some strategy to it because if I don't pay attention, I lose every single time. If I'm not paying hundred percent attention, so is it um, hard? Mm. <laughs> I'm just playing on normal, and it's hard. Um, nobody's died yet, though, on my third playthrough. But I know I was talking to Sam about it. And he said, "Don't get too precious about people." Right. Yeah. The key. The key to the dark, darkest dungeon, and it's a lesson that I had to. Le- I learned pretty quickly is that basically you've got. You can, like, look after your team, your team, um, and build them up and get them experience. But essentially, you've got to be pretty much a hard taskmaster about it. Unlike XCOM, for example. You've got to know... You You literally sometimes just have to send people into the dungeon to be sacrificed and then make your town attractive for other people to come and join you. Mm-hmm. And almost like you're like, almost like this hellish B&B owner and you're like, kind of like <laughs> attracting people into your town only to sacrifice them to the dungeon. Yeah. And I think that... Yeah, it's tricky though because you, you're right that there's a kind of so I'm trying to just level everybody up, but with that they get more quirks and, and bad mm-hmm. negative quirks every almost every time you go in. So the longer you keep these people, the longer they're getting these negative shit that comes with them, which means they'll do things like get, gain more stress when the light goes out and all that sort of stuff. And it just yeah. keeps it's always it's you're being punished even though you're succeeding but yeah and i'm just trying to juggle money really because almost like xcom you can get into a, a sort of stalemate where you haven't got enough people of high enough level to mm-hmm. even get enough money really to get more people in and i've done that with xcom where if you lose too many of your main guys and you're just stuck with some noobs you'll just lose lose the level you're on yeah um, which is why I, I haven't played that iron man <laughs> yeah i'd like to play that iron man but Darkest Dungeon is definitely the more caring you are is kind of like a commander to put it in XCOM parlance like <laughs> the the worse your game will go you've got to mm. embrace you've got to be as you've got to be as hard on the people that you're putting into the dungeon as the dungeon is on them right I can't do it can't but that's the thing you've got to like you got to embrace the nasty my peeps Got to embrace the embrace nasty. The nasty. Put that on a t-shirt. Um, there's uh, <laughs> you. Uh, there's like a DLC pack as well, isn't there? Did you Did you get to try any of that? The Crimson Court. Crimson Court. Yes. In the court of the Crimson King. <laughs> have you heard that album before? No. Have you not? Have you heard that album, sir? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. Yeah, King Crimson in the court of the Crimson King. Oh gosh, no. I it's don't... really, it's really weird. It's really good. I will say that the. The Crimson Court DLC is so seamlessly intermingled with the rest of it. I don't. I can't actually tell where it begins and ends. So is it just? I like think it's another area. New stuff. Oh, okay. I have wandered around it. Um, it's got a really cool theme. It's the kind of it's it's the place where in this old dilapidated now Cthulhu esque mansion, mm-hmm. I believe it was the area where everybody used to have parties and mm-hmm. and drink too much booze and it's all, you get confronted by little insecty things wearing Georgian attire which, <laughs> and ruffs <laughs> and my favourite's a little butler guy who has a tiny little, what's that little um, silver dish that goes platter. over? Platter. Yeah, he's got a little platter and he goes, watch out and opens the platter. and there's Oh, a little kosh. Yeah. yeah. Lil Kosh. He's like, dinner is Kosh. served. Lil Kosh is my rapper name. And <laughs> What's underneath <laughs> it? 
I think it's something ghastly and everyone goes blit it's like a head or something <laughs> um, and there's a lot of like blood and wine bottles sticking out like fungi around the trees and stuff it's a great design wise it's great um, but it's horrible and uh, in that particular area mm. every single dungeon you go in I think correct me if I'm wrong Sam I think they all use torchlight as a way mm-hmm. of keeping your sanity up and surprising enemies if it's light enough in this it doesn't use torches at all it's just got a kind of slow stress meter that gradually Great. makes people get get upset whether you have torches or not so it kind of it's i feel like it's it's like a hard mode for for people who've been playing it longer oh, so right. i've wobbled in you know rookie me not really ready for these georgian can you take the party that you've been building up in the main uh, game i can and i have done and then they go bonkers and oh, i have right, to yeah. i have to send them to the brothel okay. that's the thing you can't just keep you know taking them out it's a bit like um again the XCOM. they're so different in terms of style and and feel mm. but they've got that similar kind of hardcore mode of mm. your people will get injured when you go out and you can't just take yeah. them on to the next thing because well, you'll lose them yeah well sam you, you've been playing XCOM 2 a lot and been saying about how like i should get it and how we should play some multiplayer and all that i love stuff. it like why the multiplayer is not great is it not? No. Okay, well, uh, before we talk about why it's crap... Uh, Which we... is really disappointing, because I think really? it would be great. Um, yeah, Because you both just... like it, right? Oh, this is XCOM 2, I've specifically. Played, I've played one through twice, and two through, yes, once, I think. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. And, and, and what are you playing this on? PC? Like a PS4. Real, real human? Uh-huh. PS4, really? PS4. Mm. And it actually oh. runs pretty decently, which really? is which is a surprise. Oh, yeah, it's really... It's really... It's really nice the, the control mapping is really intuitive and it's oh, nice. like there's a there was there was one time when I was playing a mission and none of the aliens moved at all on their turn I thought this is a bug I can get behind <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just like flawless win <laughs> I have to tell you of my one of my greatest moments in uh, XCOM there is later on you get psychic people mm. this is in one I took over a a brutish enemy and they each have a grenade in their inventory I took him over made everybody jump behind windows and get ducked down got him to walk out into the street on his own and threw a grenade right up into the air and it came down on him (laughs) to commit suicide that's horrible It worked there. <laughs> but that but what what Alex joyfully referenced there is my favourite thing about XCOM. Now I'm I'm only kind of like recently a turn based strategy fan. Like I remember playing Valkyrie Valkyrie Chronicles and not really getting along with it very well. Yeah. Um because I because I always be frustrated with the fact that when you're by the whole turn based turn based aspect of it, like when you're in a position when the enemy attacks, there's nothing you can do about it. And I always found that really sort of infuriating as a as a player. But I think since since I've started playing a lot more board games where kind of mostly every board game is a turn-based strategy game you know you take your move and then it's all about reacting or in anticipating mm. your opponent's movements and like playing mm. memoir 44 with Chris or war of the ring or you know anything like that I've, I've i think i understand the mechanics of what's going on a lot better and xcom especially xcom 2 is almost half worker placement and then half turn-based strategy war game and what I kind of like most is its its attitude. And by that, I mean that I just... You feel like you're controlling the most badass team of people who ever, ever walked the earth. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Like, and it's the thing that always keeps me coming back because I think that Invisible Ink is... Um, it's a game that I've always wanted to harp on about and everyone should play. And I think it is my favourite turn-based strategy game, but I play XCOM more than Invisible Ink just because the characters in XCOM are just... Like, you you tell someone... You move a character in XCOM just to go behind a window and they'll smash through it and the camera cuts to, like, this wonderful shot. It's just like... Smashes through. Like, (laughs) they... Nothing that they do is half-arsed, like, climbing up drain pipes, like, smashing down into windows. Like, Like, none of them take the easy route around objects as well. It's just, like... They could easily just, like, move over a bench, but instead they'll do, like, a hurdle over it and, like... Except when that happens, like, 
12 times. You're like, guys, just use the fucking door. It's like, calm down, guys. They're just, they're so pumped for action. And I just love, I love the whole, um, the way everything in XCOM is framed. Like you have, the soundtrack is just incredibly evocative. Like before you go on a mission, it's, you see everyone haul into the back of the, the Sky Ranger. And then while the mission is loading, they're all sitting there with the, with like the orange lights on, like, colouring their faces and everything's like dimly lit and then suddenly all the or- all the lights turn green and it's like ready to go and then they all like abseil down from the Sky Ranger and they drop yeah. and they're like ready for action and there's um, there's an incredible new well it looks incredible a new expansion that's come out for XCOM 2 called War of the Chosen and one of the things that you can do is make propaganda posters so if you lose, so after a victory, you can like pose all your men and like write little captions and like, or if you lose someone, you can make a poster out of them to say oh, that they're lost. Awesome. But so obviously, how much, how much does this this DLC actually add? Because well, know, I've finished it now, and is it worth going back to that story for? It? From what I've seen, pretty much it's um, so the main sort of vanilla experience of XCOM two kind of remains you're trying to shut down the avatar project but what war of the chosen adds as well as being able to make kick-ass posters and propaganda stuff is the main main draw (laughs) really but yeah yeah so it adds a bit of a board gamey element of like sort of almost engine building where during missions you can actually send off other characters to uh perform raids and go and like right. search of people and things like that yeah um that are sort of done off off screen and then if what's cool about that is if stuff goes wrong like that team gets ambushed suddenly you have to send a squad out to go and rescue them oh that's really cool. and then it jumps into like the live action part of it and then the other really? part of the war of the chosen is the uh, the actual chosen which are three deadly assassins that basically pop up during the game and during the the regular missions and they're like the hardest of the hard like they can teleport around maps and like pretty much unbeatable and so that's kind of like the added part of it and then they've they've sort of messed a bit with the timer like the turn timer mode that they put in so they messed a bit with that to make that a bit nicer and it from what I've seen like it looks really really good but I have not got anywhere near completing even the vanilla game i mean mm-hmm. oh, i right, still okay. i still play on easy because but i'm getting better because i've easy because yeah, I, I i lost humiliatingly last like the first time i played it are you playing iron man no or just normal oh okay i could because like i know what i'm like with this these kind of games like if i have a horrible experience yeah. then I, it will just turn me off so yeah, yeah. and I won't learn from it. So before I came before I came on this evening, I was playing a mission and I just did something really stupid and reckless. And I kind of know that's a, that's the kind of the metier of of XCOM two is that you get lulled into a sense of security and you do something reckless and you pay mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of at a position now where I want to go right. What can I learn from that and then go back and then play a situation another way. And of course. My my boys, my boys and my beautiful girls. Do you want to know what they're all called? My yeah, soldiers. Yeah. yeah, what are they called? Okay, so we've got Randy Ma- Randy Morang. <laughs> Randy Morang. <laughs> Randy Morang. Yeah. Uh, we've got Plank Punchface. Yeah. Uh, Flex. Flex Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Um, superb. Superb. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. yeah. And what? What? I mean, XCOM is just oh oh I love it because. Like, you can't change their name until they get promoted. And then when they get promoted again, XCOM automatically gives them a nickname, which you can name. Yeah. So right. Sue Sue is such fun perb. And you've got uh, Plank, the chief punch face. Yeah. Which, yeah. So we've got Lonely Scatman. Scatman. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Minty Overpants. Um, Corvette Wirepipe. Gary Haircut. Uh Beatrix Crumbly Dust, who's the sister of Barry Crumbly Dust, who's the only person to die so far. Oh. And his 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 um image hangs in the bar of the Avenger in XCOM with the epitaph, he's bit the crumbly dust. Nice. Um, <laughs> I know, it shouldn't be funny. Um then there's December Valentine and Burley Waffles, who's they're they're new to the crew. 
Well, Burly Waffles is obviously my favourite. These all sound like Beano characters. <laughs> um, I love were, it. I love definitely, it. Definitely, you know, very sensibly named. I get far too attached to my people. Take That's and also they give you the option of like you can, you know, play about with their looks as well. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. You can customize them. Um, I didn't know that there was an epitaph above the bar. Yeah. So well, in, if you go if you go to the bar, <laughs> it. There's a there's a there's a kind of memorial to all the people who've died, and you can write their own epitaphs and stuff. Right, brilliant. Which that is good. Absolutely brilliant. I, I just my I just love that thing. game. Just addicted yeah. to it. It's so good. Yeah. But, so have you come into two and you you hadn't played one, or have you played one? No, I just never. I never played one, so I just came to two completely completely Jeez. dry. How? That's that's pretty cool though. I'm glad you like it. Well, that that Invisible Ink and Shadowrun are all very similar. Yes. So Invisible Ink is, again, it's a turn-based game. And if anyone's played Burgle Brothers, and this is what really annoys me, like I always tell Chris, because Chris, Burgle Brothers is Chris's favourite game pretty much. And Invisible Ink is the video game of Burgle Brothers. Like, it just is. Like, right. each, the idea of the game is that it starts off with Invisible Ink uh, being raided and you've got this computer called Incognita, and basically she's only got 20 hours left on battery life or 24 hours or something. And so you, what you've got to do is you've got to spend those 24 hours like globe charting to different locations to infiltrate them to power up your squad for the final mission that you'll always go on once those 24 hours are over. Okay. So unlike XCOM where you're fighting against a clock essentially and you never know if you're going to make the final mission or not in Invisible Link you always go on that final mission and it's always how you prepare for it and what choices you make in the preparation of it like do you fly further around the globe therefore taking taking it more time but to get better loot out of it or do you do just like little close missions to like upgrade your squad like sequentially like quite in quite small increments but the actual moment-to-moment gameplay of it is just absolutely superb because you are these spies. You get dropped into this into this location that's all procedurally generated. You have no idea how the map is formulated, and as you go as you go around, you like you got action points that you move around um, the screen. You like uncover sort of bits of the map and guards walk around and you can sort of track where the guards are going to be moving to next so you can track your next moments and there's no there's no sort of lethality in in it you can like knock out guards and stuff like that but but that's about it and Mm. then the twist of the game is that when you've found what you want what you've come robbing for you have to escape you have to find the elevator in order to get out but right you have no idea where the elevator is. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. so you can. So the amount of tension that that that, that creates is just unbelievable. That you're just like, yes, I've got it, but now I have no idea how I'm going to yeah. get out. And every step you take in Invisible Link raises what what's called a security level. And the higher the security level, the more patrols the guards go on, the more aware that something's actually happening, the more guards that they put onto your level to try and hunt for you. So there's always there's always that balance that there's this wonderful mesh between XCOM and Darkest Dungeon where mm-hmm. you um, are trying to get the best out of your squad and you don't know whether to like leave them in there to go and find more stuff like hack into more um, safes to get lots more money or do you just get them in and just get them out and do the job and oh, the art style is fantastic it's just oh I love that game but I prefer XCOM, even though it's even though Invisible Ink is the better game. There's something about the combat I think of XCOM that keeps yeah. it's just so satisfying. Well, that was the that was the commitment to the bit, wasn't it? Like I think for Axis, and again, like we talked about it with um, Civ Six, I think for Axis, understand more than basically any other strategy game developer that strategy games have a an ebb and a flow that if you can get it right, you can keep somebody hooked on that on that cycle 
uh, for for a really long period of time. You know, with Civ Six, it's like it's the it's the one more go mentality. But with mm-hmm. XCOM, it's this thing that you're describing of of you know the 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 worker placement that okay i'm making these decisions all right now i'm i'm moving on to the build-up the we're gonna go on a mission and that's where all this intense music is coming from it's the right okay we this is really important guys we're gonna load this out we're gonna do this these people are named you know like yeah. these these people are real close to me and you drop in and it's like this huge rush of of everything we've prepared for is up till here and then it's like go time here's the strategy here is like the moment to moment action of making choices and that that cycle uh, you know Firaxis are you know that stuff is not an accident it's entirely uh, through des- very smart design choices and I, I think it's just but it's so obvious people that are just obviously a- getting good at it across the board because Invisible Ink and Doctor's yeah, absolutely, are not yeah, made by yeah. Firaxis but they're, t- they're taking on things like that yeah absolutely but it's it's this next level of strategy game design where when you've got a pretty significant budget like invisible ink like XCOM, um you know all of these games when you've got a pretty significant budget you can actually sit down and think okay what is it that i actually want the player to be thinking here and yeah, feeling yeah. and you know all of those games they they nail that you know the, the fact that you're playing a strategy stealth game you know how mm. you know if you actually think about the how an amazing uh, how amazing a feat that actually is like you know you're essentially just moving play pieces around on a board yeah. it's all of the other stuff that you do that then works into that into that theme to make you go oh i'm hidden Well, yeah. you guys have been like mentioning about how oh I can do all sorts of nice loadouts and I can make my people <laughs> give them all names. Um, well, so I've I've and I will I will speak about this probably on another on another show. But um, in my lunch hours, I've been trying, <laughs> and I'm preparing you, all mm. of you, uh, to uh, for this. But I have been getting into miniatures recently. Oh, for here fudge. we go. And so if you think if you think. Like loading out your team and having some level of investment. So I bet I've been I've been painting my Bushido miniatures, uh, and they are amazing. There's a guy. There's an old man who rides a turtle. He's great. Uh, there's a young lass. There's a panda. There's a panda. There's a young lass who's got like um, she does a lot a dance. And you've got to paint all of these miniatures, Sam. You got you got to glue them together. They're all they're all made of metal. You got to put them all together, glue them on. And then you've got to spray paint them. You've got to paint them, Sam. So once you do that, which you still deal. haven't actually managed, none of you managed yeah. to do that yet. <laughs> yeah. It's quite funny. They've not actually played the game. Yeah. So I've, I've so okay. So I've been painting these miniatures, and mm. I've not yet had a chance Don't really it. to play the actual game much. I've played half of a round of combat. Great. Believe so you me. don't even know if you like the game any. Like, no, I've spent like hours painting these things. But um, so we're doing. Um, we're, we're, we're painting all these things at work and stuff. We've got a small little club of ours that we're sort of putting. All the, we've got. There's like the no game club. Yeah, there's like six of us, and we've all got like these different armies of Bushido. Anyway, I'm going to talk loads about Bushido at some other point. But there's another game I've got that is also called Bushido. <laughs> Oh, it's so it's called Warbands Bushido. Okay, this is a video game. Now, to be clear, and I, I just to I virtually t- color all the players in before. Oh, uh, unfortunately, not. No, um, code the game for. There is, <laughs> there is a, there is a, um, there is like some customization and stuff like that in this game, but there's n- there's not a huge amount of of that kind of army painting and stuff, but. Um, there's uh, so this is called Warbands Bushido, and it is not mm. a digital adaptation of the Bushido game that I just mentioned. Well, it's, it is it's, not is it, so it's got nothing to do with the Bushido franchise. So it's nothing to do with Bushido the miniatures tabletop game. But okay. Warbands Bushido is a digital miniatures tabletop game. So there's so many games, but that has nothing Bushido. to do with the. That has nothing to do with Bushido. No. Um, okay. Even though it shares quite a lot of systems, like it even shares some systems with it, like some ideas of how the game plays. Um, but it is, as, as far as I understand, it was completely separately developed. So it, it's basically a miniatures hearthstone, or at least that's what it's trying to be. Okay. So. Which should be good. Oh, yeah. And so it's low barrier of entry, so it's like like four or five pounds to, to, to purchase. It's on uh, iOS and Steam. And I think it's coming to other platforms at some other point, but and basically low low barrier of entry, and there's no in-app purchases. Okay. So you, but 
you as you play through the game you acquire gold and as you acquire gold you can then unlock uh, new like booster packs right so you, so it's kind of like a gacha mechanic whereby you you get new miniatures and you get new cards but you don't know what miniatures and cards you're going to get mm. but there isn't an in-app purchase system so it's not free to play or anything like that and there's no there's you know they're not trying to gouge you in that way it's just it's just random what you're going to get access to so the game is it's all on a hex grid Mm-hmm. So you have a, a, a small... It's very much skirmish, so it's like four or five miniatures at most. It's not like these huge games like, I don't know, like War Machine or um, one of these other really big tabletop games. Um, sure. Yeah, it, these are actually much, much smaller numbers of figures and they are really short games. Uh, like you're talking like, you know, 10 turns and the game is over in like 20 minutes, which is pretty cool. And both both sides take turns... Uh, taking their different, uh, taking their different movement, and then attacking. And the way that the turn system works is different characters have different agility levels, which depends on who goes first. So it's not just a you go, I go, you go, I go. It's a okay. My this samurai and this uh, peasant of mine, they're going to go first. But then after that, your samurai will go, and then my peasant will go after that, and then that will be a whole round, and then we'll move on to the next round of of, of game. So there's a bit about like how quick your units can attack is actually a a thing that you need to keep in mind and then you there's there's ranged combat there's close combat as you would expect but it's kind of set in this feudal era of you know ronin and uh and um you know peasant farmers and ninja is it fun well, I'm getting to that. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, you, you spent ages explaining what essentially well, is Memoir I, I 44, have... but in feudal Japan. I, guess, so I think, I think that Hearthstone with miniatures is a in very interesting description. And I think it's a really fascinating premise. That it's a decent game, and it is decent. So I've been playing on my iPhone 5C, and that screen is way too small. Right. Like... Uh, the game really needs to be played on an iPad if, if you're going to play it at all, or like a really big phone, basically. Um, but if you're playing on Steam, obviously those those issues don't occur. Mm. One of the other issues that I've got with it is that it's not quite the game that I thought it would be. Right. So when I say Hearthstone, whenever you like play miniatures stuff, um, there is naturally going to be a lot of PvP. But because it's a strategy game, I mostly play strategy games for single player. I don't really play multiplayer strategy games. Mm-hmm. So when I play, when I picked it up, I was like, um, and I actually got, I actually got sent a code for it. And I picked it up, I was like, oh, okay, I'll put some time into this. This will be interesting. I started going like digging through the single player and just getting my ass handed to me over and over and over again. And it's because I realised after reading a bunch of FAQs and stuff online that actually the game wants you to play uh, PvP multiplayer. It doesn't really want you to play the campaign. It wants you to go through and play it with other people lots and lots so you can build up your your army so that you've got a better army so that when you go to the single player you can actually better take it on because that single player is difficult in and of itself but it also has essentially like Iron Man mode, uh, whereby there's like ten bits of story in like one of the first campaigns, and each level, if you have a character die by the end of that level, you don't get that character back. But you also don't get to bring anyone back or buy new characters or anything like that. So not only is the game hard, and it's also RNG, so it's like mm-hmm. random. Run, uh, random uh, number generator so you could just have a really bad couple of rounds mm. due to dice and suddenly like the rest of your campaign is fucked so what do they expect you to start again in that instance so they kind of expect you to do that yeah and they want you to go in with this like badass group and that's fine except for it doesn't really flag that up to you yeah i mean if they're gone and you can't replace them. So they're gone and you can't replace them until you like restart the campaign or whatever. They're not gone, gone. They're not like destroyed. They're just simply not available in the campaign again until you just restart it. Mm. So you have to, you have to. But it's gone then. I mean, it is gone, gone, but it's it's not gone from your collection. Right. Uh, so like, you, when when whenever you go back to the campaign again, it will come back again. So the game itself is the actual moment to moment combat 
is really enjoyable and the systems in there are fantastic there's a card system to to boost up this um this miniatures wargaming of placement and dice rolls and all that sort of stuff these cards give you abilities that allow you to really change the the course of 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 a of a one-on-one battle all of this stuff is really really good but the the layout of the single player Mm. is really really hard and not great and and it doesn't really flag up to you early enough the the methods in which you will succeed. It basically just asks you to go off and read the Steam Community Hub, right. which is like some people love that stuff. Like some people love Dark Souls for exactly that. That's but, not that I don't I don't find that unusual, and it kind of it does annoy me a little bit. Like I recently played City Skylines, right? And like if you want to know anything about how to do anything in that game, you've got to go onto forums and research out yeah it's do you know they're starting to use that um that game for actual city planning really yeah Yeah, it's it's such a good game you honestly need to go to youtube and watch people that know what they're doing but all that all that stuff sounds fantastic like i'm up for doing that in that game that where we've got examples that we've just said of like darkest dungeon that sort of thing i feel like they could have done that yeah i definitely i definitely feel that's the case um the other thing with all of this is first of all i think it's still in early access so it's changing a lot so there is that caveat um and i think it is if you want miniatures hearthstone Mm. like so you it is pretty good you haven't played it with somebody else yeah. so I have I've, I have gone online and played multiplayer and the certainly early on it definitely devolves once you've got past the first few rounds once you get into combat it definitely has that board uh, that tabletop miniatures game problem of it then just devolves into who can roll the better dice Like, like so that's why I tend to favour stuff like ranged units and using as many abilities as I can because it keeps the gameplay really fresh. But if if all you're doing is playing playing a group that is just walk towards the enemy and fight them, Mm. then it's not quite as fun. So it's kind of yeah, it's interesting. It's I think on an iPad it's interesting. On an iPad I think it's the perfect place for it. On Steam it's a, Mm. it yeah it's if you want PvP and a miniatures game then I think it's it's worth looking into. But otherwise, probably get Hearthstone. Well, yeah, it's not a miniatures game, is it? <laughs> you can, is, why you can you paint get... your miniatures whilst playing yeah. Hearthstone. Yeah, well, that's true. The, part, the point of miniatures is to put a mark on them and make them your own before you play the game, and it sounds like you're not actually very attached to these people at all. No, it, not not at the moment. It, it's it's definitely... And they seem to be disposable as well. If they're gone when they're gone, mm. there's no real... In the, only in the campaign. Yeah, so it's that the difference between... Single player and multiplayer really sounds like they weighted it towards. They definitely weighted it towards multiplayer, which is interesting because with XCOM they really messed the multiplayer up. You'd expect it to be quite good. I thought it was going to be, you know, two squads, two people with each of their own special mm-hmm. little flowers that they've made themselves on a mission together. But it's not. It's just a firefight between between two. Yeah. But it's not even your own teammates. You've no. got a point You have a point system. So you've got, say, 8,000 points that you just pick on troops. So they're not even your own. And well, you can you can make them your own. You um, you, you add them points to the character pool, yeah. Mm. But they only... They still don't have all the stuff you had. And no, no, it's just like a name. And it's a... just a little bit disappointing. So it's funny where these they put their resources in, into these things. Yeah. But... Um, I, I think... I honestly think that... You're you're totally right. Strategy game makers they have to think like what what are we going to appeal to? And yeah. with I think with XCOM it's like single player. With Civ it's multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And with with Bushido, uh, Warbands Bushido it's multiplayer. But you also kind of have to flag that stuff like mm-hmm. really deliberately and like walk the player through that stuff. Yeah. Like with Civ it's the tutorial is not good enough with with XCOM it, it gently leads you in but there's still going to be stuff that you you know that you just don't know about that you have to go off and read and with Bushido it's just well I think the thing that yeah, XCOM does very well is you learn all the mechanics that you need to learn to win the game right. it's the nuances that you learn from playing sure. over and over like, like yeah. the, the fact that the exploit that I could throw the grenade up in the air or giving 
if you know that somebody's going to be taken over, yeah. switching them to a really shit gun yeah. so that when they get taken over, they can't do much damage. Mm. That stuff it doesn't tell you, but that yeah. stuff you kind of find out, which yeah. is quite mm-hmm. cool. And that, that stuff's all there as well. Like There is nuance in the game, and you do have to learn it. But it didn't sound like it really... Yeah, it, it, it's, not like not like Darkest Dungeon has been no, grabbing it, me. It, it didn't it didn't grab me as much as as I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is, it's a game that I'm going to return to in like six months time when it comes when when it's had like a whole bunch of updates mm-hmm. and stuff like that and see like okay well where's this at now yeah yeah you know because it is definitely feels like Hearthstone the way that it's Hearthstone is like a completely different game from when I played it like two years ago right right and I think that that will be the same with. Warbands. Do you think, just a quick question, do you think it would make any difference as something incredibly simple, but if you could just name your character? Name my dudes? Yeah. I don't know. It gives, it just Maybe. gives that little bit of it personalization does. that makes yeah. you go, shit, Maybe you just can. died. Maybe you can. Like, I don't know. There's just a little, but... th- it's quite an easy thing as well. Really? Yeah. yeah. When Minty Overpants is in trouble, you know. <laughs> yeah. But not Minty. Yeah. Not Minty. So, um, Pete, it's yep. the end now of your birthday week. Well, no. Well, in January you will be fencing. Yeah, that's true. But you've done everything else. So I've you've done, yeah. So you've baked with Rosemary. Yeah, Rosemary. Yeah. <laughs> Rosemary, she was there on top. And so you, you went golfing, and that was yes. I went golfing, Sam. So out of golfing and scuba diving, yeah. yeah. What what would you like to talk about? What do you want to share? Um, well, scuba diving is really easy. Easy. You basically just say it's really weird when you breathe underwater for the first time. Like that is really weird. What did you find any plasters in the swimming pool that you I were actually did? There was a tiny no. little there was a tiny little band at the bottom of the at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, oh no. <laughs> did um, you have to that, did you have to save any bricks? No, I didn't, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> poor, poor bricks. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Um I had to um I had uh, I had to do a thing that I have not done since I was six years old, seven years old. Breathe underwater? No. Uh, I, I I, don't know. Sam. Poo. When I go you to weed the gym, in the swimming pool? No. Yeah. When I go to the gym... <laughs> okay. I you like get, to shower in front of other men. I get changed in a cubicle. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, at this particular place, there, right. were, no, there were no cubicles. Fair enough. That's so fine. It's not fine because I had to get my wang out in front of a bunch of men I'd not met before. I love that you Could came you... back with this like amazing experience. I had to get my wang out and I hated but it. But really, it's about all exposing. Evening, he was annoyed. So, of all the money that you spent, you would have had a more of a life-affirming experience if we just got your cock out in public. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, if you'd ended the week just more comfort, comfortable around, naked around men, you would have been happier. I just had to... Uh, why didn't you do, like, you know, yeah. selective towel covering? Like, yeah, you don't I have to have that, it out it, for long. I tried that, but it went really wrong. <laughs> just, if anything, it just emphasised the fact that I was naked. I was once I was once in a gym mm. and um you know showering just being normal and you know yeah, sure it's a body everyone's got one trunk. yeah I'd have my trunks on but go on but then uh uh there's this guy who was also um uh, nude and he was making um, exuberant use of the public hairdryer <laughs> by making sure every single part of him oh yeah was was wow. dry. Wow. And and his windsock was a waving. I tell you. Wow. <laughs> really? How powerful was the head? <laughs> how or big how was the sock? Was the, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, I just love Pete, just Mr. Bean in the uh, on the beach. The towel. Ooh, ooh, it was towel. just it was just horrific. Um, so, so there was that. That was fine. But the scuba diving was fun. Um, and golf, uh, it's great. I love it. 
I, I, I'm, I'm a convert. I'm going to go to the driving range and um, <clears throat> and uh, and smack some balls down the driving range and, and see basically see how it works. Because <laughs> I won't be your own. You won't get them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Can you can you do a thing for me? Like while you're in the golf changing rooms, just take a couple of balls in and just drop them and go. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, lads. Uh, drop your towel. Oh. oh. <laughs> wow, this week was really. Uh, oh. I didn't know you did all this. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, An eye-opening week. It certainly what was. What are you going to do in fencing? You'll <laughs> <laughs> be wearing a mask, so maybe you'll feel better about. I hope you put it on the right himself. way around. Yeah. Who oh, was it that put okay. on the wrong way around? My friend did fencing, and she realised after twenty minutes she had the the thing on the wrong way. The mask on the wrong way round. Yeah. What, like on the back of her a, head? Or? There's a tiny mesh on the back as well, so she could kind of see through. Like, <laughs> oh, I see really, what you mean. I see what you really, mean. Yeah. You know why is it so hard to see through? And there was like oh, the zips on the front of my. That's the true challenge of fencing. Yes. God. Amazing. Awesome. So golf is your new. Sport. Love it. I'm going to take um, friend of the show, Greg Giddens, uh, down to the uh, driving range and, um, yeah, just whack some smack stuff, some smack some balls around um, <laughs> and uh, work on my, work on my, my stroke. Work on your uh, shaft grip. Yep. You've got to grip the shaft just right. Oh, God. Fake. Get the stroke yep. right on. <clears throat> Good rhythm. It's all about rhythm, actually. Genuinely. It is all about rhythm when, when it comes to the stroke. I'm sure. That was Staying In with Alex Brixham, Peter Willington and Sam Turner. If you enjoyed this episode, despite me not being in it, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the various things we have covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. And if you're one of those fancy sorts with an Amazon Echo like Peter Willington, you can now listen to us on that device via Spreaker. Just make sure you have the Spreaker skill for your device, ask Alexa to open Spreaker, and then say, ask Spreaker to play Staying In. Awesome.